Hello and welcome to Recap Reboot, a podcast series brought to you by the Mabel Regeneration Project and the University of the West of Scotland Air. Every month, UWS students will talk to the people who are working hard to bring new life to the South Ayrshire town while looking back at its rich history and the community who live and work in the ancient capital of Carrick. Hello everyone, my name is Meg Montague, I'm a student over at UWS and I'm so excited to be taking you through the very first episode of the Recap Reboot podcast. This episode is going to be somewhat of an introduction, we're going to be looking back on the history of Maybowl and we'll hear from community leader Mark Fletcher. But first, let's introduce you to the team behind the Mabel Regeneration Project. Our reporter, Regan Kelly, sat down with Duncan, Harriet, Kareen and Coral to discuss the project. And you'll also hear what it is they like the most about Mabel. Hi everybody, thanks for speaking to me today. Um, I suppose I'll just start by um, getting you all to go around the room and telling me what it is that you do and what it is that you enjoy um, most about the project. Good afternoon, my name is Duncan Cleland, I'm the project lead uh, of the Mabel Regeneration Project and it's my overall responsibility to ensure that the project is delivered on time, on budget and working in partnership with the community. So I'm Harriet Wilson, I'm the uh, Administrative Officer for the project. Um, My role is mainly to be the main point of contact for everybody. So I engage with the community and I support the team in all administrative roles. And uh, I manage the social media, the publicity of the project. And I just want to talk to everybody and make sure everyone's involved in the project. I'm, I'm Carl McMillan and it's my very first day. Um, I'm the brand new activities officer um, and I'm going to be looking after the community engagement aspect of the project, maximising opportunities for people that live in our community. Hi, I'm Corinne McCandle and I'm assistant project officer. So I support Duncan in his role to deliver the project and I also work with local homeowners and business owners to deliver the the small grants project which looks to improve the the properties in the streetscape of Mabel High Street. How did the idea for everything come about? This project uh, was born born within the local community and a desire for um, improvements to be made in the High Street on the back of the A77 bypass being um, being mooted as an idea, uh, followed through as as a funded project by Transport Scotland. So the community came together and were successful in uh, original um, grant applications to to a number of funders. And uh, following that success, they uh, sought um, to partner with uh, the council, so South Ayrshire Council, of which we are all uh, members here, um, uh, who then took on the project management of the the, the actual regeneration project. And the, the community is, of course, um, very closely involved uh, in the project, um, represented through project board which is a majority member the majority members are 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 members of the community council which we respond to on a regular basis what difficulties would you say you would face in a project like this that may be different to 
other similar projects? This project is is quite complex in that uh, it's it's got a range of different funders. So we're grateful for the support that's been provided by Historic Environment Scotland, by the National Heritage Lottery Fund, by uh, the Scottish Government through its RCGF fund, and um, the local uh, beneficiary of wind farm surface NCCBC have also contributed significantly to this project in addition to South Ayrshire Council which is a major funder and Sustrans. So working with such a wide range of funders who to a greater or lesser extent fund separate parts of the project is, is certainly a challenge. Uh, but the project uh, is comprised of four main themes which are Improvements to significant buildings on the on the high street. So that's um, we're thinking of the castle, the town hall, uh, the charity shop, and so on. Where there's significant investment in that. Uh, there's the public realm, which will see see the transformation of the high street into a place where people will really want to visit and linger and and explore those uh, historic buildings. Uh, Mabel, as we heard, indeed, in Terry Sullivan's uh, talk. Uh, of two weeks ago, which is available uh, online via the website, um, and I'd encourage people to, to, to have a listen to that. Uh, Mabel's got very rich built environment heritage on which we're looking to uh, invest in so that people can can really um, uh, visually uh, enjoy those, those buildings in a reimagined high street. Uh, it's also got the shopfront improvement projects, which will we're hoping will help local businesses uh, encourage new visitors to their shops uh, with with much improved uh, shop fronts. What does everybody think sets Mabel apart from from other places? I think um, from my point of view, as quite a newcomer to Mabel, I moved to Mabel uh, last March in 2020. Um, what sets it apart for me is just how welcoming the community is. Um, it's very strange to just come to a place and just make friends quite immediately and have neighbourly support in all things. You know, you go outside with a cup of coffee in the morning and there's loads of people that want to come and talk to you. You know, you walk down to the street and that that's just something. It's a very welcoming, opening community. And also, uh, I have to put it in there, but also the butchers does three fantastic chicken curry pies, which is like the best pie I've had <laughs> in a while. So I think that sets Mabel really far apart because it's hard to find a good chicken curry pie and it's fantastic. Community and pies always sets <laughs> Mabel apart from the rest. I find I've been working in Mabel for the last eight years in, in community development. And I think people just make Mabel, the people are, are are so proud of their little town and they're, they're really, really engaged with activities that are going on. So it makes our job easier uh, to be able to have that engagement. So so we're really lucky. It's a really good community to work. Actually, Carol, I'm kind of interested to, to hear what made you want to, to get involved in the project since it's your first day. Well, I've been hearing about it. I actually was involved at the planning stage. So uh, while they were trying to scope out funding and the, the, the project, I think it was maybe 2017. I'm not, I'm, I'm not awful sure, but it was a long time ago. And I was involved in actually looking at the, the training and development and the, the community aspect of the work. 
Um, and I was excited at that stage, never thinking for a moment that here I am, you know, first day of the job and I've actually started. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. So, so I feel as if, in a small way, I've been part of it since the beginning. What do each of you enjoy the most about about your roles in the project? One of the the things that I am I'm looking forward to the most is um, is when we start to to get some projects underway on the high street. And I've worked on a lot of um, the a lot of rest of, uh, restoration um, projects with historic buildings, and there's always a, a story there. You know, just now as part of the work that we are doing for the the shopfront improvement scheme, there's a lot of research. Uh, that has been done and we're building on that research to look at the you know how these shop fronts might have looked originally so I'm looking at all these old photographs just now and it's it's so interesting and you know there's there's a lot of people in the photographs as well and you just wonder uh, what their stories are and you know the talk that Fergus did the other day you know talked about the the history of Mabel and the, the people in the town so I think we're going to we're going to learn so much more than what we know already uh, especially when we start to get some projects underway and, you know, I'm sure there'll be some exciting discoveries. I'm sure there'll be some old, uh, some signage comes off and then we find some evidence of what the original shop front looked like. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I would definitely agree with uh, that we're all looking forward to seeing the difference that's going to be, um, that's going to be affected by, by the project. But certainly, from from my perspective, it's, uh, it's also developing those partnerships that will add value to the project and, and, and ensuring that, that the community is really actively involved in, in what's going to be significant changes there. So we work closely uh, with and, and we're hoping to be able to run subject to guidance and so on workshops in the summer with with Wills Brothers, who are the, the, the main contractor on the bypass, uh, Morgan Sindel, who are um, started their preparatory works over at the new community campus. Um, them and, and of course, community groups, users of the town hall, working with them on thinking about the, the, the future uses of that space and how we can make that space more uh, useful for, for groups. Uh, it, it's really seeing both the physical transformation and also making sure that the community is really closely um, engaged and involved in that. And, and, uh, and, and Carl's clearly just uh, talked a little bit about that. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely... Uh, an exciting project to be involved in. So my my favourite part of my role is, um, like I was, what we said before, is just uh, when the people ring me ring me up um, and ask me just questions about the project and just hearing their excitement about it, and it really gets me just excited about all the things we're doing, the way we're organising it, and the way we're going to start work soon. And that's my favourite thing just talking to the people and just hearing about how much this project means to the local community. Well, it, it's early days for me, <laughs> but my favourite part of the job so far has been part of the team um, and the excitement and enthusiasm has carried me through this first day. So um, I, it's, 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 it's lovely to be part of the team and all working in different ways to bring this whole thing together. So, yeah, really proud and excited. What do you guys think makes Mabel an attractive place for like people and businesses to come to? I, I promise I'm not going to mention any sort of food related things. <laughs> um, my uh, my thing for uh, Mabel, which I think is is its actual location. Um, 
the views from my window are stunning, looking over uh, the rolling hills. And it has so many beautiful walks that you can go on for, say, to attract visitors to the town. Um, my one favourite place to walk is up um, Mokram, which is a, a hill just outside of Maybo. And from there, you can see on a clear day all the way up to like Ben Lomond. And you can see the whole of the sea, uh, Girvan, Maidens, and, and the look back on Maybo on the hills. And that, for me, is just such a beautiful location and, you know, with a lot of history and a beautiful town. So that's what I think is the best thing about it. Yeah, and I think with the, it, it's got a, a, an iconic castle. Uh, it's got a, a, a town hall of note. It's got a very rich history. Um, it's got a number of castles uh, in and around uh, Maybole. It's got a thriving community out in the, in the villages uh, nearby. It's got a built environment in, in the central part of the town that, that, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be investing in. So they'll look significantly different as we as we invest in the grant program and work with owners. I think it's just such a, a a time of change, isn't it? You know, both in terms of the bypass and the the project works that we're doing that we're delivering in Mabel, and then also the the outlying areas in North Carrick. You know, there's consultation going on just now uh, with the members of the coastal villages uh, on how. They can maybe develop because obviously we know COVID's going to impact on tourism this year. So, you know, Maple's, you know, like a hub really uh, for a lot of these outlying coastal villages that will become tourist attractions or even more so than they are at the moment. So it's just a, a such a time for positive change in the area. So I think it would be hugely attractive to, to businesses in the next few years, Maple. With with its place in the community as well, you know, the capital in North Carrick, it's quite a, a lucrative position from a business point of view as well. You know, it's it's servicing a lot of rural uh, communities round about, and I think you know it's the main shopping hub. And, and it would be if there was more, you know, in the town. I think you know the, there's a lot of potential there for businesses to, to have plenty of business too. So have you got anything planned for the future in the project? Anything interesting? The, the public realm, so that's the high street works. Uh, that's dependent upon the A77 bypass being completed and the road being detrunked. But we'd hope to be able to be on site on February of next year. Uh, the, the castle, again, is, is dependent upon the A77 bypass, just given the constraints of working within a narrow uh, uh, Victorian High Street, so uh, would look to early part of next year for for uh, that work to be undertaken. The town hall, though, and the charity shop, uh, we're hoping to be able to be on site in the summer, late summer of this year. Activities and training program it's already started, but we would look to accelerate that, particularly when um, the the current restrictions relax a little. And what is your personal favourite thing about living in Mabel? I think the people are, are just amazing. They're so friendly and helpful and there really is that aspect to community spirit. And as Duncan said, during the pandemic, everyone's really rallied and been looking out for their neighbours and there's been some amazing pieces of, of work done, you know, in the community to, to make sure that everyone's looked after. So, yeah, the people are top of my list. Well, I will uh, just echo what, what Coral said there about the, the people. Um, 
having went to school in Mabel and I've got a lot of family in Mabel as well and still live nearby. Um, I can definitely agree with everything she said about the, the community spirit and, and since joining this project as well, you know, becoming familiar with all the, the work that's been done over the years, working towards getting the project to this stage. Um, it, it's unbelievable the, the amount of, of effort that's went into that by members of the community. So, yeah, the people, definitely. And then also just to add to that as well, I would say the history, because some of the buildings that we have, you know, the, the town hall and the castle, um, we're, we're finding out new information about these buildings every day, and that's that really sets Mabel apart, I think, from, from an awful lot of, of other towns. Um, for me, it's uh, the things I've mentioned before. I'll say it's like the three Cs, um, the community... Um, the Croyshaw coastline is my favourite place for camping. And finally, the chicken curry pies. Yes, <laughs> our larder. Yes, our larder, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You guys, I think that's all the questions I have, unless if if you guys want to add anything, if you've got any, anything else to say. You know, we welcome anyone who wants to get in touch with us. They can pick up the phone or... Uh, email just if they just want to pick up the phone and just they don't have any specific questions you maybe just want to have a, a chat about the project Harriet's always delighted to do that yeah so you can call the project on zero one six five five eight eight four eight six five or you can email us at Mabel regeneration at south dash uk. And, and also, you just add to that, you can find us on Facebook under Mabel Regen, and uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, uh, at the same tag. Uh, is it hashtag Mabel Regen? Yeah, it's at Mabel Regen on Twitter. And then our website, regeneratingmabel.scot. So, would you believe I had never heard of a chicken curry pie until now? So that was a great tip from Harriet about them, or, or it would be if I wasn't a vegetarian. Anyway, that was the brilliant team behind the Mabel Regeneration Project, speaking with Regan. Coming up next, we have a roundup of everything that the team have been up to. The Scottish Government have granted over £700,000 to help transform Mabel Castle. The money comes from their Regeneration Capital Grant Fund and will be used to turn the castle into a key attraction. The 16th century castle will be completely refurbished so visitors and locals can enjoy the historic building and grounds. Kate Ross has been appointed the project's artist-in-residence. She will be working in partnership with the project to engage with the local community and she will be co-producing events, activities and artwork that interprets Mabel's history and its future. Mabel Charity Shop and the flat above it have been purchased by local charity NCCBC to bring the shop back to use for the community. The charity hoped to start construction this summer. And finally, the project is hosting a series of evening talks about the history and heritage of North Carrick. The first talk was hosted by historian Fergus Sutherland and had over 40 local people joining. You can find out what talks are coming up by visiting the project's website. Recap Reboot for all your Mabel news. A wee history of Mabel. 
1193, Donacha, the first Earl of Carrick, allowed the monks of Melrose Abbey to build a church on the lands of Mybothelbeg and Bethock in Carrick. Gradually, throughout the centuries, this name changed and went through various spellings to become Mabel, as it is today. Six years after Donacha's death in 1252, his grandson Niall was blessed with a baby daughter, Marjorie. Wee Marjorie grew up to be a formidable woman and was famously the mother of King of Scotland, Robert the Bruce, who was born at Turnberry Castle in 1274. She was also infamous for allegedly kidnapping Bruce's father and imprisoning him in the room until he agreed to marry her. Gonna let me in? No! Jump forward 300 years and in 1516, Mabel was granted a charter of barony by King James V. This gave the town the right to hold markets and the Mabel High Street was born. A few years later, Mabel Castle was built by Gilbert, the third Earl of Castleus. It was at the castle, according to folklore, that Lady Jean Hamilton, wife of the sixth Earl of Castleus, was imprisoned after she had abandoned her husband and ran off with the King of the Gypsies, Sir Johnny Farr. When Cassilis caught them, legend has it that he hanged Far and his followers from the gallows tree at Maybole, making his wife watch the execution. The Countess's room at the top of the tower is traditionally said to be where Lady Jean was imprisoned. Forward another few hundred years and in 1757 we have another love story, not quite so tragic this time, as William Burns and Agnes Brown are married in Maybole. Their son Robert Burns, yes, that Robert Burns, attended school in Kirkoswold. Mabel's William Niven attended the same school and they regularly corresponded after their school days. In fact, the earliest letters from Burns's pen are addressed to Niven. In 1790, as the town grew and the Industrial Revolution took hold, weaving had become the main industry in Mabel, employing over 300 weavers. However, whilst the cloth agents prospered, the gruelling work of hand-weaving became intolerable for most of the weavers and gradually the trade died out. It's no coincidence that not long after the death of the weaving trade and during a time of massive unemployment for the area, the Mabel Combination Poorhouse was erected in 1863 on Lady Land Road in Mabel. During those times of unemployment, some small shoemakers in Mainbow, who had been producing boots and shoes mainly in their own homes, decided to start boot and shoe making in a large way. These firms prospered. In fact, by 1891, there were 10 shoe factories in Mainbow, employing 1,500 workers and producing about 1 million pairs of boots and shoes annually. The Mabel shoe shop was well respected and had shops throughout Britain. Around the beginning of the 20th century, the handmade shoe industry was in decline and around 1910, many of the Mabel townsfolk, drawn by dreams of a better life, emigrated to distant shores. It's estimated that approximately 2,000 people left Mabel that year, with a large number going to Hamilton in Ontario, Canada, where there's still a district known as We Mabel. Soon after this mass emigration, the First World War started in 1914 and at least 100 Mabel men lost their lives in the fields of Flanders. The Mabel War Memorial to these men was erected around 1928 and the ornamental gates leading up to it were dedicated by Mrs Clark, who lost four of her seven sons in the war. The battles of the Second World War saw the names of a further 24 Mabel men added to the cenotaph. A year after World War II had finally ended, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces and later President of the United States of America, was made a Freeman of the Borough of Maybole. 
After the dark, dreary war years, Mabel residents enjoyed an upsurge in social life in the 1950s as nearly every week whist drives or dances were held in the town hall. Fast forward 30 years to 1982 and nearly a decade after the UK joined the EEC, precursor to the EU, Mabel is twinned with Krosna in France. The same year, a group of local men bought a 22-year-old double-decker bus, did it up, called it all Ricky, and took it to Torremolinas in Spain to support Scotland in the World Cup. They made the round trip with no spare wheel, and the only tools they carried were a hacksaw and a hammer. SCV made a special programme about the journey, which aired in January 1983. Into the 21st century now, and in 2016, May Bowl celebrated 500 years since being granted the Borough of Barony status, which saw the birth of the May Bowl High Street. Which leads us to June 2020, when May Bowl Regeneration Project confirmed it had secured funding and launched the website www.regeneratingmaybowl.scot. The project is a four-year regeneration project investing up to $7.5 million in the town centre so it can become an even better place to live, work and visits for residents, businesses and visitors to Carrick's ancient capital. I talked to genealogist Michelle Leonard about her work and how easy it is for people in Mabel to find out about their family history or the town history. Why do you think it's it's so important for people in these small towns, for people in places like Mabel to, to know their family history, to know the history of their town? I think it's just finding out where you come from, you know, what your makeup is and and I'm not talking in terms of just genetics here um obviously I you know I'm a DNA person so uh, I do like that side of things but I'm talking just in terms of understanding your history and understanding the people that came before you and um the lives that they led and the things that they went through and the things they saw in their lives and and it, it just informs how you feel about your own history and your own life and your own family as well, I think, to understand about the people that came before you, the people that that are part of your makeup, really. And how was it for you to go that far back about your own family and see where you had come from? (sighs) Cathartic and fascinating and strange all at the same time you know there's 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 all sorts of emotions that get mixed up when you're doing family history and the the reason I got into it was because there were mysteries in my family uh because I wanted because I was nosy because I wanted to know uh about all of these people that I could never meet especially because my dad was a much older dad so he could tell me stories about elderly relatives he met as a boy you know who were born well in the 1800s and that sort of fascinated me to think about these people that he had this first-hand experience of meeting and knowing and I never could have anything more than a photograph of them if I was lucky and the stories that he could pass down and I think it's that passing down of the history and the passing down of the stories if my dad hadn't told me about them hadn't passed them to me then I couldn't pass them to others I think that's the key point it's just to 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 talk to your family members about your family history 
what do you each know? Um, what can you share with each other? And what can you pass down? I mean, it does. It definitely, it, it, it kind of, I remember being a kid and raking through my, we called it prucking. You prucked through Pruck your it. granny's drawers, prucking. <laughs> it's a pruck. great word. <laughs> <laughs> you pruck through your is granny's that, drawers. Is that an Ayrshire word? Because I, I, think it's, I think it's west of Scotland. You this prucked is. through your granny's drawers. I actually looked it up the other day because I thought, is that my family's word? <laughs> But yeah, yeah you, I'm going to have to look it up now. <laughs> <laughs> look it up, it is there. It's used to proc through marketplaces. It means raking. It used to proc through your granny's drawers. Great words. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> to see about, um, you know, you'd find old birth certificates. I found old poetry. You'd mm. find all this old stuff and then you'd ask them about it. And and it was just, it, when you're a child, and it was not just me, it was it was all my cousins and me would do it. And it, it, it's something that's so important when you're a child to find mm. where you come from yeah most definitely people before you eh? and and as an adult I think we forget that but I, I, all I know is as soon as I started going into it it was just oh it's such Addictive. a feeling and I spent a fortune yes <laughs> like, it's totally addictive you're like I just need to get back that one more generation and oh where did this person die and oh what happened to them exactly. and you just and it keeps going and going and I you know people say to me oh I've done my family tree I finished my family tree and I just laugh because you're never done with a family tree you've never finished it there's always new things to find there's always new people to add new branches um, and uh, new facts and new records it's never done it's always a work in progress I you know I've been doing it since my teens and I'll probably be doing it until I pass on and um you know it all won't be finished and that's good because somebody else can can carry on and 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 um add to it well michelle can you give our listeners just an idea of how easy it is for people to start looking it really is quite easy, especially for Scotland, because we have that fantastic resource that Scotland's people. And yes, it's not free, but it is instant. So if you just know a little bit about your family, you can go on there and you can find birth, marriage, death and census records, which are the basic four key pillar records that you want to be looking at when you're starting out. And you can very quickly start to build your family tree back using just those records to begin with. Um, but the key thing to do when you're starting out is to talk to your family members, interview them even if you can, especially your older family members, try and get their recollections um, recorded for posterity, ask them what they know. And, but, but at the same time, don't expect everything they know to be correct. Uh, that's why you want to delve into the records because, you know, family stories can get corrupted over the years. Information can be passed down wrongly. Uh, you know, people can tell a few fibs here and there as well. So you just, it's great to dive into the records, but start from, start with the people that you know, start with what, what your granny's got in her drawer or, you know, some things like that. What records do you have in your own house, you know? And, and start from whatever basic point you have and just try those birth, marriage, death and census records to begin with. And, you know, once you've got at the hang of those, you can try and delve a bit deeper. But uh, that's that's the best starting point. Can I just say to the people at home, uh, Michelle mentioned Scotland's People there. The website for that is www.scotlandspeople.gov.uk. Michelle, it's been an absolute pleasure. Can I talk to you again? <laughs> Yes, you can. It's been lovely to speak to you, Leanne. 
Now, Mark Fletcher has been deeply involved with the Mabel Community Council for years and has been their chairman since 2012. Although not originally from Mabel, he knows everything about the town and the people who live there and he feels like he has been welcomed as one of Mabel's own. Regan had a chance to sit down with Mark, remotely of course, and this is what he had to say. I'm Mark Fletcher. I'm currently the chairman of Mayball Community Council. I've been since 2012 from a since. Can't seem to get rid of the post. Uh, it just keeps coming back at every AGM, as these things tend to. Um, so I've been leading the community council now for uh, a good nine years nearly. Um, I was involved in the community council prior to that, but just as a committee member, basically. The I've uh, also chair an organisation called North Carrick Community Benefit Company, which receives grant funding from the local wind farm. So that services the whole of North Carrick with grant funding. And also the chairman of the trust organisation called Gaudis, um, which is a community and operated facility in the town. So um, how did you get involved in it? Uh, what made you want to get involved in it, really? Well, when we moved to Mabel, and you'll tell from my accent, I'm not local to Mabel, uh, but when we moved to Mabel, um, I'd semi-retired and basically to be a carer for my wife, so I was no longer actually carrying out my actual profession. Um, didn't feel that I could just fully drop into retirement. I needed something to occupy myself and felt that I wanted to give something back to a community if they wanted me to give it. Um, and Mabel seemed to be an appropriate place to sort of try and get involved in volunteering and action-led approaches. So I joined the community council after meeting a gentleman called David Kilty. Um, David was the previous chairman on various occasions and, and notably will tell you that he was the youngest ever elected councillor when we had town councils. Um, so David's a very well-known uh, member of the community and I bumped into him one night, let's just say in our lost premises, and uh, got chatting to him and he talked me into perhaps getting involved with the community council in 2007. Um, and I feel like I've been giving back all of that time. I've certainly done everything I can to uh, try and sort of make improvements without actually changing the way Mayball operates as a community. Because the one thing it's very strong on is its actual community. Um, so we don't want to change that. What we need to look at and what we've been looking at since I've been involved anyway is the built fabric um, of the town and the infrastructure that goes with that. So what do you think Mayball um, has to offer people and businesses when they're thinking about coming into the town? Mayball has a great community spirit and if it's there they will generally support it. Um, what's lacking in Mayball is um, accessible footpaths in the high street so it's always been a very difficult town certainly for the last 40 or 50 years as traffic has grown since the 1970s. Um, a trunk road tearing through the middle of it has been anything but conducive to business effectively. Um, of late, certainly in the last Years, lorries have got much bigger and heavier, more frequency mm -hmm. of them travelling to and from Ireland, which is great for the economic structure of Scotland, but it's not great for the economic structure of Mabel because it tears it in two. So I think now that the bypass is actually en route, it's basically being dug as we're speaking, um, and we will open later this year, that will actually give the high street a new chance to reinvigorate itself. It doesn't need to necessarily change too much. It just needs wider footpaths and a better infrastructure. So the people will support yeah. um, local entities, but they need to be accessible to them. And that's anything but the case at the moment. Uh, this next question might be kind of linked to your last point, but uh, for tourists, what would you recommend coming to Mabel 
to see or do? Maybowl has a rich history, very rich history. Um, it needs bringing to the forefront a wee bit more. Um, it's sort of been, some of it's forgotten, some of it's lost. Um, it's still there, effectively. I mean, Maybowl was established well over a thousand years ago and certainly evidence of um, civilization down at the collegiate end of the town um, with the collegiate church, etc. And that would have been the attraction of the natural spring waters of Maybowl that would have attracted people. It was very easy to make beer, which was the traditional drink um, of those times because they felt water um, on, was unsafe, um, maybe the, uh, who knows. Um, so, you know, there's certainly a lot of the history in the town. I mean, there's evidence of uh, John Knox, Mary Queen of Scots, having met here and had the great debate over the Reformation. Um, certainly historic links to Robert the Bruce, um, born at Turnbury, um, and basically sort of ran this area very rapidly and right across um, Ayrshire and Dumfries and Galloway. So there's big historic links there. We've got the connections to Robert Burns. His parents actually met here at the Maybole Market, um, which was a market borough town since 1516. So we've got that sort of historical link. There's a lot of history. Mm -hmm. There's a great castle. Um, which is going through a refurbishment procedure now as part of the town regeneration. And that is the last castle that belonged to the Kennedy family, who, who are a very large and uh, powerful family um, in Ayrshire. And at one point, I believe, I'm going to give you a number here, it was 24 castles that they actually owned between Ayr and uh, Stranraer. So the only habitable castle still owned by the Kennedys is Maybole Castle, and that will be a great piece of historic mm -hmm. value to come back to. But basing yourself in Maybole, um, whilst tourism attractions are, are, low, are slim, shall, shall we say at the moment, to be fair, um, around us we are actually surrounded by natural beauty. We've got mm -hmm. the hills and the, um, around the Girvan Valley and out towards um, Straton. We've certainly got um, the, the, the magnificent Killeen Castle right on our doorstep. It's less than four miles from here. Great coastal area. Um, for eco-holidays, eco-friendly holidays, I think it's an absolutely amazing place, you know, where you've got the natural environment to work with. It doesn't have to be a built environment necessarily for tourism. So uh, yeah, there's plenty of reasons to come to this area and, and stay for a few days. And the local food produce is second to none. Ayrshire food delivery is absolutely amazing. And again, those are things that small local shops in Maybole could promote and work with all of the food suppliers in the area. So can you tell me, why do you like living in Maybole? Um, well, as you, as I said earlier, you tell from my accent, I'm not local. I was born in Birmingham, um, so I grew up in a big city environment. Um, after leaving Birmingham, we went to Bournemouth, which was a smaller, sleepy seaside town um, for 10 years. And then that just became an overspill of London, an urban jungle. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was to get away from the city infrastructure that I was so used to and find something that was more rural, quieter, um, but still not disconnected. I mean, Maybole is only 12 miles from air at the worst case scenario, and it's only 40 miles from Glasgow. It's a very, very easy town to commute from. We do have good transport links the train is very regular and reliable um, the bus services albeit this year hasn't been great but the covid crisis but everybody's stuff like that um, so the connectivity mabel has everything you really need it has a doctor a dental surgery it's got small convenience stores um, a small supermarket and what it does have in dividends is people that are absolutely amazing um, they are so welcoming friendly um, nobody can do enough for you um, you know they'll leave you alone and you can have a nice quiet life if that's what you want or like me they'll drag you in kicking and screaming and <laughs> get you involved in everything it just is, i mean it just is a wonderful place 
to be, you know, and what we need to try and do is keep that going and try and actually stop some of the migration of the young people. Mm-hmm. It's a natural effect as you grow up, you go off to university, you may come back, um, but it would be great to give people that incentive that if they did wish to stay and live their life out in Mayball, you know, it's a meaningful life and mm-hmm. not just sort of ticking along unnecessarily in the background. And that's a terrible way of wording it, but, you know, yeah. the, the natural draw of big cities and big jobs is, is too strong at times. And that is all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us for the very first episode of the Reboots Recap podcast. And we'll hopefully see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Recap Reboot, brought to you by Mabel Regeneration and University of the West of Scotland. If you have a story to share, contact us on recapreboot at gmail.com. A huge thanks to Carrick Academy fifth-year pupil Liam Court, who created the music for this podcast. 